Everybody say praise the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. How about it? Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. Thank you so much. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated for just a moment. What a great, powerful presence of Almighty God is in this, in this place today. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today to come and worship God with you. I was telling a few folks on the platform that you don't see this everywhere you go. I want to commend a North, North Dakota for your great sacrifice to be here and uh, the great unity that I feel in this place today. Hallelujah. There's so many places that are doing away with meetings like this because nobody shows up. But uh, you guys, in the middle of uh, winter, you'll show up anyhow. It'll snow, it'll ice, but you know how to drive on that kind of stuff. I've been scared the whole time. I've been, when I flew in, I saw last week 21 degrees below zero, and I thought, oh boy, I'm, I'm entering a new dimension that I know nothing about, amen. But thank God for the Lord gave us some nice warm sunshine while I'm here, so I feel that southern hospitality coming up in North Dakota right now. Amen, it's a great joy to be here. We certainly give honor to your special uh, special leaders in this district. We give honor to Brother D.D. Puckett, your superintendent, and his wonderful wife. I serve with them on the general board, and they are great, great people. We love the Pucketts, amen. And also one of our largest givers in SOC in North America, amen. Also, we certainly appreciate Brother Jeremy Moe, your leader, your visionary leader, I can't believe he's up here asking for $133,000 and then I gotta preach behind all that. But all he was doing was priming the well for the well to start flowing in your local life. So I wanna challenge you, give. Give and it shall be given back to you, hallelujah. So we're certainly glad I give honor to the youngest guy probably on the team, Brother Peyton Puckett. Amen, he's 19 years old, he's fixed to turn 20 and so... Uh, uh, give honor to him and also Pastor Shane Paulson. It's a great honor to be here. Thanks for letting us be here. And First Lady, Sister Paulson, thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to being with them also through the rest of this weekend. Amen. It was uh, many years ago that I actually met Michael Chuppy on the Children's Committee team. He came during some thunderous times in children's ministry. And I would like to honor Sister Shirley Chuppy today, uh, wherever you are. God bless you. Thank you for the memories. Hallelujah. That was the first time I ever heard of Bismarck. I didn't know Bismarck even was here. But uh, when I served with him on the National uh, Sunday School Committee, that's a long time ago. So, uh, but anyhow, we served there. Let's, let's stay in. I'll read something from the word of the Lord. Share a little something with you. I've, I've been wrestling with this, this topic for quite a while and I had other things I thought I wanted to preach, but uh, the Lord just kept directing me to this direction. And so I just want you to be prayerful and open up your hearts. I feel without any question mark, there are miracles, signs, and wonders that are waiting to happen. So you, you are in a spiritual atmosphere. Anything can happen. You just have to endure me for a little while, okay? But I believe the Holy Ghost is gonna move in here. There's gonna be healings. There's gonna be anybody that needs the Holy Ghost and get the Holy Ghost right where you're sitting. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the book of Luke chapter six, verse 13, it's a familiar scripture. And when it was day, Jesus waited until it was day. He called unto him his disciples 
and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles, Simon, who was also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James, there were two Judases, and Judas Issachariot, which was also the traitor. I wanna use our theme for this year, if it's okay. Next starts now. What God has for you next needs to start in this service. I, I am only asking God to open up North Dakota's eyes to see what God is about to do in this district and what God is gonna do in your individual churches. Amen. I, I would try my best to do everything I can to entertain that kind of spirit because I believe God is ready to do some great, great things today. Amen. This is starting of my 48th year of ministry. Two years from now, I'll be hitting that 50, 50 year mark. I started when I was 19. And if you do the math, yes, I'll be 67 this year. And so whatever that means, just age is just a number and mine is unlisted at this time. Amen, amen. Uh, Pastor Puckett, would you pray? Ask God's blessings on the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful spirit that has already been felt here. We know, God, that you're here to do a work. We ask your anointing upon Brother Cannon, upon this congregation. Pour out your spirit, O oh God, as you will right now in Jesus' wonderful name. We ask it in faith. Jesus, amen. Clap your hands and give God praise today. How about it? You may be seated. During the flu epidemic, which broke, which broke out during World War I, the mayor of New York City took drastic steps to change the or check the damage which people were doing themselves through the inherent fear of ill health. He called in the newspaper men and said to them, gentlemen, I feel it is necessary that you do not publish any scary headlines about the flu epidemic. Unless you cooperate with me, this is World War I, we will have a situation we cannot control. So the newspapers quit publishing the stories about the flu, the death, and within one month, the epidemic finally stopped. I'm saying all that because North Dakota teachers, you have the key to apostolic authority and revival in your local church. I'm just asking you if it'll be okay. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to what's going on in our economy. Don't start thinking, hey, what the social media is saying. I want you to get in touch with God and tell him what God is ready to do. I'm afraid we've got a generation that all they think about is just social media. I believe that if we can keep speaking positive words into our children, it will help us eradicate the sin problem. Don't be afraid to teach the word. Don't be afraid to speak the word. Don't be afraid to say miracles can happen. Yes. And when you say that, give somebody time to have a miracle. How about it? In the Bible, there is no greater crew of men that we would also call the 12 disciples. 11 of them, all except Judas Issachariot, came from the poor regional, regional areas of Galilee, 
where nondescript towns were not even, they were dotted throughout the hills and the shores around the Sea of Galilee. At least four of these men were fishermen, most likely childhood friends from the village of Capernaum. And because career options were few in that part of the country, we can safely assure that most of them were either fishermen, farmers, or tradesmen. One of them was a zealot. I don't know if you know what that means. We probably got a few zealots in here. That's a radical group of people who are trying to overthrow the government. They were actually planning on throwing over, overthrowing the Roman government. And another was a tax collector who actually worked for the Roman government. And they were both Jesus' disciples. Two of them were mortal enemies probably, but notice out of the 12 that Jesus chose, not a single one of them came out of the religious world. No Pharisee, no Sadducee, no priest, no rabbi or scribe among them. To put it plainly, these were definitely country North Dakota kind of folks. Now, we've seen all the stained glass disciples. I think sometimes people think if you go to headquarters, you are stained glass disciples. You are the folks who live in the big house, if you please. And you think about how perfect they are in the place that they are. But they were bigger than life, much better than us, those folks who live in those stained glass places, if you please. After all, they literally walked and talked with Jesus himself. If we didn't have the four gospel accounts in the New Testament to tell us differently, we would assume that they would be some kind of superheroes. But the disciples were not superheroes. They were common, they were plain. And further in a little bit, I'll tell you some more about them also. But they walk with Jesus, they talk with Jesus. They, were, they, they actually had fears and failures like we do. They, they shouldn't be thought of as average or ordinary common, common, not them. No one who met them would ever believe that they were actually following Jesus Christ. But they were frail and fragile and fickle and flawed and full of faults and failures as we are. I hope you get the point. These are the folks who Jesus selected. Amen, there are four listings of the disciples given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and Acts, plus occasional mentions of their names in the Gospel of John. And it is in these scattered references that we begin to piece together the background of this unlikely group that would ultimately change the world. Did you know that every disciple that Jesus called, he planned on them changing the world? Let's read about Simon Peter. Simon and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. Nathaniel was the proper name for Bartholomew, which meant the son of Ptolemy. Thomas was a twin. That's what the word Didymus means. He had a twin. Now, whatever his brother was, we don't know, but Thomas had a twin. Amen. Matthew was a tax collector, a publican who worked for the Roman government. There was a second Simon that is a zealot, the one that wanted to overthrow the Roman government that was there. And then there was a second James, the son of Alphys, which actually was called James the Less. How would you like to have that title? You are brother so-and-so the Less. James the Less was here. And the second was Judas, which has Labetus uh, Thaddeus, which means not Issachariot. 
and there was a Judas Issachariot. At the time of Jesus, there was the Mishnah or the oral law laid out for every young man's life. And Brother Peyton, this is for you today, all right? Are you ready? All right, maybe, maybe not right now. I don't want to put you on the spot. But the study of a Jewish child started at the age five. Everybody said age five. They started studying Torah. This book of Torah, the Torah, if you please, or the law, the study of the oral law began at age 10. Formal studies with a rabbi took place between the ages of 13 and 15. And if a young man was smart enough and especially gifted, he would be taught by a rabbi so he could be tutored in becoming a rabbi. But according to the scripture that I've read, that if they were just an average student or just somebody who just went to school for an education and was looking for the day that they could get out of school, these are the ones that Jesus chose to be his disciples. At the age of 18, they can marry a wife. That's, uh, I know you've already passed that, but maybe in the next few years, you might be able to do that, I don't know. At the age of 18, you can marry a wife. And at the age of 20, you had to start paying taxes to the temple tax. Once you turned 20, you had to t- pay taxes. So looking at this whole story, probably the only two that was over 20 was Simon Peter and Jesus Christ himself. And you say, well, Brother Kenneth, I just didn't realize that was it, but I'd like to tell you, according to Scripture, Peter is the only one we know of to have been married. So he had to be over 18 to get married. Amen, that's found in Matthew chapter eight, verse 14. Probably the oldest of the disciples was Simon Peter. There is no doubt why Jesus chose him to be the spokesman on the day of Pentecost. The temple tax was required for males 20 and above, Exodus 30 and 14, if you wanna look it up. I don't have, I won't go to all the details. But one time, Peter, Peter was directed by Jesus, go fishing, catch a fish, and find a coin in his mouth and only pay for the tax for the two of them. I'd like to read Matthew 17 and 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the fish that cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, take and give unto the tax collectors unto them for me and thee. So what what, what Jesus was telling Peter, we're the only one that's 20 or above. Everybody else is nothing but teenagers. These are his disciples that every layer in the kingdom of God is gonna have their name on it one day. Teenagers. I don't mean to come here with kind of strange things today. I just want you to know we better start focusing on what Jesus is focusing on in 2024. Well, it's pretty obvious that the disciples were not star students. They wasn't the most smartest in the box. Actually, three years later, the Sanhedrin arrested Peter and John which is considered to be the oldest and the youngest of the disciples. And they took note that they were unlearned and ignorant men. What a a great compliment. You're unlearned and you're ignorant. Amen. But they recognized they had been with the greatest rabbi there was. They recognized they had been with Jesus. One person in a commentary actually said these words. 
He said he believed that John was the youngest of the disciples. They were sick and tired of being in school. And at the age of 13, he was called by Jesus to be his disciples. I know I'm coming up against really, really a big attack here and that's okay. But I know we often picture the disciples as middle-aged men. We picture them as smart and eloquent people. Most likely at least 11 out of the 12 disciples were teenagers. Amen, and they were there that was taking place. Peter was only one that knew that had been married. There's no question about it. So all of these things begin to happen in our lives. Jesus knew all about his disciples. Even though they were teenagers, he mentioned in John 13 and 33, he called his disciples little children. Children that were teenagers. But ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus wanted to choose somebody to change the world in the beginning, I think it's time for us to focus on our children can change our world. I'm all for maturity, okay? I'm all for waiting until they grow up, but I think we're overlooking somebody that's there, somebody that's ready to change the world. Who knows that if we don't have some esters out there that they come here for such a time as this. A young Jewish girl ushered in the kingdom of God for the future. Can you imagine? He's anointing these young teenagers as apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers for the edifying of the church. We are here today because I want you to know God is ready to reach our children. Please, next time you go into a classroom, I'd like for you to change your name from teacher to a disciple maker. You're not just teaching six and eight and 12 year olds. You better disciple them because God's got his eye on them to change the world in 2024. Cause our next starts now. I give credit to your great leaders if you please. Thank you for looking ahead. God's calling our children like never before. Can you imagine this is what Jesus told his teenage groups? Go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely you ever see, freely give, Matthew 10 and 8. That's what he told a bunch of teenagers. Oh, we, but don't we have to let, let them grow up? I'd like to tell you, I'm okay with a six-year-old praying for me. I'm okay for a 12-year-old to say, I just feel God's got something for your life. Can you believe it in Luke chapter 9, verse number 2? He told him to go preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told teenagers to do that. Oh, but we gotta wait up, they gotta, they gotta do whatever. I was in some kind of service not too long ago, I think it was at Because of the Times, and uh, Brother Mangan said, I've messed up all these years. I've been the only one that baptized right here, I got a little group that baptized, but he said, I'm releasing my church, that everybody in my church, if you find somebody wants to be baptized, don't even wait any longer, baptize them in your bathtub. That may not be popular in North Dakota, but there's a revival coming that our pastors are not gonna be able to baptize everybody. Somebody's gotta pray through and believe. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord today. I have a lot of confidence in the next generation. I know they're smarter than any ever generation we've ever seen. They, if you're having a problem with your iPhone, just go ahead and ask your grandchild. 
ask a six-year-old, they can help you out. I just want to tell you they're smart. God's not going to overlook those smart folks. Maybe they're not the most educated in the world, but we're not looking for the most educated in the world. We're looking for somebody that's going to make a difference in our future. And I believe without any doubt, our children are going to bring a revival because he said in the last days that our sons and our daughters would prophesy. I'm in the old side, okay, so the old men are dreaming dreams, but the young men are seeing visions. So I hope I haven't messed up your doctrine. Jesus had a bunch of teenagers and he used them to change their world. Might have been the most difficult thing. You got one guy says, hey, I want to sit on this side of the key, Jesus, and I want my brother on the other side. Just like a bunch of kids, right? Teenagers. If you have teenagers, you know exactly what I'm going about. You're treating my brother better than you're treating me. Oh, come on. The disciples did the same thing. But he put something in them. Every miracle that he did, they were there. Every sign and wonder that he did, they were there. What can miracles do to our teenage generation? That's when the next starts now. I've got three stories I'm gonna tell it and I'm done. I'm all through. Hallelujah. There was a 10-year-old boy that loved being in the cool group. He'd get in the back of the church. He'd talk, cut up, do all kind of crazy stuff like that. He figured since his mom brought him to church, he's just gonna cut up and do whatever he wants to do. So at the age of 10 years old, one day a lady by the name of Dorothy Parker, Parker was teaching her class and she stopped in the middle of her class and she called out that 10-year-old boy and says, one of these days, son, God's got to work for you. The boy looked at all his cool friends, just kind of rubbed it off. It wasn't no big deal. He's only 10 years old. He wasn't the smartest guy in the class. He wasn't the smartest one that was there. But she taught a little further and she said, I can't go any further. And she pointed to that same little boy again and said, one of these days, God's gonna use you in a miraculous way. There's gonna be some supernatural things that happen in your life. What happened in that meeting was that 10-year-old never forgot. That teacher that was supposed to be teaching him that she called him out and she placed a plan for his future. Yes, he ran as far as he could. From 10 to 18, he lived like crazy, did all kind of crazy stuff out in the world. But at the age of 18, he came back to God. And it wasn't long until he said, I feel my call to preach. I feel like this time is my time. And so he started preaching at the age of 19. So I gave myself away. I was that little boy. She called my name out, Steve Cannon. And from that moment, I have never been the same. It happened as a 10-year-old. Can it happen in North Dakota? Oh, yes, it can. I have no credentials, no credentials to claim any kind of credit, but I've seen over 20,000 boys and girls be filled with the Holy Ghost while I've been serving in this capacity. God knows what he's doing. He's got tomorrow under control. Clap your hands to the Lord. (laughs) 
Got a friend of mine. I heard you say a 50 children, 50 soul revival. This happened to a seven-year-old. Mom and dad's in revival. They're having a great move of God. And on their way home, they pull up to the gas station. And uh, the dad gets out and starts filling the car up with gasoline. And all of a sudden in the back seat, the seven-year-old sees a lady crying in the car beside her. Her husband's working on the car and she's weeping. And the seven-year-old without any prompt opened up the door, walked over to the lady and said these words, you can get forgiveness for that. Turned around and walked back and get, got back in her car and put her seatbelt on. And so the mother saw what was taking place and thought, man, what did my daughter just say to that woman? What did she say? And she came over and says, I really apologize. I don't know what my daughter said, but I'm sorry she said it. She said, oh no, I have a lot of problems. I got situations going on. She just told me I could get forgiveness for that. And she said, where do y'all go to church? She said, we're in revival. We just got out of church. Preachers are still back at the church having a good time. So they pulled up in the parking lot. The lady that says, after the seven-year-old told her, you can get forgiveness for that. They went inside of there and they started praying with this couple. The pastor told me, when we prayed with a woman, she had a devil in her. We had to cast that devil out. We had to cast a second devil out of that, out of that woman. And then they had to cast a third devil out before she could ever get the Holy Ghost. But a seven-year-old walks right up to somebody who's demon-possessed and says, you can get forgiveness for that. And at that same time, hell's mind's going around. What can I respond? What can I say? I have nothing to say. Our boys and girls can be used in the spirit, used in the gift of the spirit. Don't give up on them. If you're seven years old, please stand up with me. Seven years old, come on. That's okay, you can stand up in here. Get up, you need to get up. Come on, you need to walk around with me a while. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I'm not through. I know you want them to get me through, but that's fine. That one couple both got the Holy Ghost. They started calling their friends. They started calling their neighbors. They started calling everybody around they could find. And within 30 days, 100 new people were filled with the Holy Ghost because of a seven-year-old. And the devil can't stop it. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That's a seven-year-old. For 100 people filled with the Holy Ghost because of a seven-year-old testimony. Woo. Thank you, brother and sister Thompson, for a great job you've done. Come on up. I want to use you next, okay? They did a great job. They talked about Abel. They got to be up here when I do this, all right? In this same church, there was a little girl that had autism. And every time she came to church, her hands were shaking like this. She went to the altar but she still shook like that. I get those shakes sometimes too, so I think I may have a little dose of autism somewhere. You got any squeezy things that I can make sure I get through the end of the message? 
No, that's okay. Just kidding. JK, just kidding. She always came down the altar. She's trembling both hands. Somebody in the back of the church gives a message in tongues. And as soon as they start, the kid's hands drop beside her. She stops shaking. And the tongues go forth. And when they get through, the eight-year-old girl with autism interprets it perfectly. The whole church is like, well, where'd they come from? How'd that happen? And since that day, she interpreted that message, she's never shook anymore. Why? Because God can work through people who have physical, mental situations because his plan is for God to raise up a group of children that will cause you to pray, cause you to fast, cause you to give. Let's all stand. Clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Great job. North Dakota, I want you to take your eyes off the most talented, the most folks you think is going to succeed and just drop your eyes a little lower. Some of these kids sitting on the front row up here may be the one catalyst that's going to turn your city upside down. I don't know where that little girl heard that phrase, but I'm sure she must have heard it from the platform. You can get forgiveness for that. And the lady got changed. So what's your saying, Brother Cannon? I'm saying next starts right now. I want you to start believing in your children. When you pray and you feel something, don't be afraid to tell them. And by all means, don't be afraid to let them be used by God. Even if they have autism, even if they have any kind of situations that they may not look 100% healthy, God used teenagers before. And I got a sneaky feeling. He's gonna use some teenagers in the last days. Why? Because what we do next starts right now. If you're six years old, you got a plan. If you're seven years old, God's got a plan. If you're eight years old, there's a miracle ready for you. When I pastored, I always carried my girls to the hospital. And it was amazing. They learned at a seven, eight, nine-year-old to put their hands on those that were in the hospital bed. Sometimes the folks that were in the hospital never looked at me, but they always looked at my girls. Why? Because God's ready to use this generation. I just wonder, are you ready to give them the authority? Uh-oh. I mean, help me out, Bush. Help me out, Bush. I don't want to cause any division in your district, but our children can be used by God. And so if you're feeling a little sick, don't be afraid to ask the eight-year-old, hey, can you pray for me? That may be just what you need. Ooh, I don't know how you feel. I just want you, God, to open your eyes to say, I know you want to look on the fields for their white and the harvest, but I'd like for you to look in your bedrooms. 
in your classrooms. God is looking for somebody to raise up in this last day that's gonna set our world on fire. I wanna be a part of that last day revival. Can you say amen? Come on, lift up your hands. I want you to pray. They're fixing to sing, I guess. I don't know. Hallelujah. I want every boy, this boy and girl that's 13 years and younger, I want you to come up front and I want you to turn around and face the audience. 13 years and younger. 13 years and younger. (laughs) Somebody help me out. Do these kids really matter? Are they worth training and telling them? Son, you, you, you're the tallest one up here, buddy. How's it feel to be 13 and a half, pushing for 14? Yeah. Okay. okay, cool. I'm good with it. I'm really good with it. Could it be that the next miracle that you need in your church is gonna happen through some of these folks right here? I don't know if that guy was right that said that John the Beloved was about 13 years old. He could be wrong. I could be wrong but he started out young and he was the only one of the disciples that didn't die a horrible life. They tried to boil John one time and oh, but he just wouldn't work. He was the one who Jesus said loved him the most and that love kept him from a lot of things. I just want you to pray with me today that God could use this group to fall in love with Jesus Christ like they've never fallen in love. And when they do, God's gonna take care of them. (laughs) I don't know if you know it or not, but our answer is not out in the world. Our answer is not out in our society. Our future is in our children. No, Jesus didn't quite choose them this young. But he could have chose a 13-year-old. They gave up their job as fishermen. They gave up their job as tax collectors. They gave up their job or whatever it was. They just wanted to follow Jesus. And the next generation is coming on and the time to start is now. Everybody said now. Would you just reach your hands to our 13 and below and say, oh God, I want you to cover them. God, I want you to protect them, God, today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. Everything North Dakota has asked for, God, you can supply it. Because we got this group of people right here that's coming up behind us that's going to believe the supernatural, the miracles of God. 
In closing, there are miracles all throughout this building. And if you would like a miracle and a supernatural work in your life, I want you to come forward. And boys and girls that are 13 years and younger, I want you to pray for them, all right? If you need a miracle, I wish everybody would come up. Everybody ought to come up and say, I certainly want a child to pray for me today. I want somebody who hasn't been stained by all this world has for them to pray for me. They're sold out to Jesus Christ. They want to be saved. Come on, you can step out. It's okay. I know this is probably out of kilter for some of you, but step out. Ask some of these children, would you put your hands on my shoulder? Would you pray for me? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We just want you to touch them, Lord. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto him. For of such is the kingdom of God. Come on, I want you to come forward. It's okay for them to lay their hands on you if you feel comfortable with that. Don't be afraid to say, please pray for me. I struggle, I'll go through some tough stuff. I need your help. gonna do next starts right now starts right now